cool. How about, how about you, Coach? So, me personally yeah, or, you. For, or for the players? No, you personally. Uh, planking and jumping rope. Okay. You can do it at home. You can do it when you get up in the morning. You can do it before you go to bed. There's no excuse. <laughs> There's no excuse not to jump rope 100, 200 times. Wow. And plank in the in plank before you go to bed in the evenings. You may have a hard time going to sleep. Do you get cheeky with like the crosses? Oh, try to do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, exercise is free. So I, don't know. I think you can do that no matter what, no matter where you are, or what you're doing. training podcast the place for the athlete my name's casey thank you so much for checking out the show where i'll be talking with the athletes coaches and experts that really help to make d1 what it is today if it's your first episode first time listening to the show please go ahead subscribe rate and review the podcast it's got a little bit of something for all sports fans some of my past episodes uh, recently i've got uh, mark pancrats did an episode with him local college basketball expert tennessee baseball player uh, zach joyce NFL draft prospect Joe Doyle, Tennessee basketball player B.J. Edwards was on recently. Uh, the last episode actually was uh, Eric Ainge, told some great stories, even had a great one about uh, his time playing horse against Charles Barkley when he was nine years old. Pretty funny story. Listen to that one. Uh, next week, actually, I'm going to feature two outstanding local high school athletes from uh, Knoxville in the Bearden area. Uh, one of them actually is going to be playing for 865 Alliance, the WPSL team that is uh, going to be featured on this episode. Not just the, the women, but also the NPSL team as well. So uh, last summer, it was a big one for, for East Tennessee fans that loved soccer as we had a uh, USL2 team here in Knoxville. Uh, went really far in the playoffs. actually did the PA announcing for that team. Uh, it was a lot of fun to be a part of it, but one of the things that was kind of missing with that team was the, the local touch, local flavor. But but this year is going to be a little bit different. This NPSL team, 865 Alliance, is bringing the local touch. Almost every kid that's a part of the club is going to be local. I'm talking kids that, that went to Hardin Valley, Alcoa, Miraville, Farragut, Bearden. The kids that have really grown up in that FC Alliance system, now they're a part of 865 Alliance, and I'm here for it. I'm excited for this season to kick off this summer with this uh, new NPSL team. We work a lot with their athletes here at D1, so um, th those FC Alliance kids are, are here, and, and we do their training a lot. So I really wanted to have the coaches on just to sort of talk about what fans can expect this upcoming season uh, and really what their experience has been like so far in the process. Uh, pretty fun interview. Too. Went next door to Orange Hat Brewing. So it was my first episode of this podcast that's been on site. So uh, thanks to the Orange Hat Brewing team for uh, you know being accommodating, let us uh, do the interview there. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you don't know what D1 training is, go ahead and tell you it is a results-driven sports strength facility, offers over 20 years of experience, has trained over 1,000 pro athletes from many different sports, we got a five-star training system that comes straight from Division One strength and conditioning programs, personal training, team training, like what we do for uh, the FC Alliance clubs, youth developmental programs, adult boot camp classes, and so much more. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably a soccer fan. So I, I do want to encourage you, go ahead, follow us on uh, uh, social media at D1 Harden Valley, because pretty soon we're going to be announcing a soccer clinic that we're doing with Tennessee Lady Vols players. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity for your kids to come learn from the Lady Vols uh, and the coaches at D1. Uh, and also they'll get you know an autograph and a picture with the Lady Vols players at the end of it. So it should be a really fun event. We did it in Chattanooga recently. It was so much fun. The kids... Uh, I had a great time. Now, let's get to the interview. Coach Mike Meyer of the NPSL team and Laban DeFries of the WPSL team for 865 Alliance on the D1 Training Podcast. 
friends with the guys that run the Knox Soccer Podcast, and they've been asking folks, so I'll give them a, a, a nod here, but the question is, is Knoxville a soccer town? Because for many years, I think the answer has been yeah. no, not really. And I've been working with a lot of folks in Chattanooga. They can talk trash because they've got Red Wolves and CFC, and and so they feel pretty confident they are. But but I think now with with all the growth and the excitement that Knoxville is a soccer town, I want to get your thoughts on that. With FC Alliance and how it's grown and the quality that they have, both on the girls' side and the guys' side, I, of course, I think it's a soccer town. I've been here only five years, so I'm I'm still learning and growing to to know everything about this town but for sure it's a soccer town and secondly i think it's an exciting time to be here for laban and myself because of the process that we're going through right now both the women's team and the men's team so well thank you again that's uh that's coach mike meyer with the npsl team and here uh laban defries yes with the uh, wsl no wpsl team um so what what do you say yeah, I mean, I've coached. I've been in Nashville and uh, Chattanooga for the last thirty years, and coaching against um, uh, Knoxville teams, in particular FC Alliance. FC Alliance has always put together the most competitive teams. They've had a great coaching staff. So when you show up for state tournament and big tournaments, you knew that you were going to have to play against very talented teams that were very well coached. So I, on the outside looking in, have always thought Knoxville was a potential strong soccer town. Yeah. If they could just keep striving and setting goals to, to keep growing. And FC Alliance has continued to grow their club from six-year-olds to 18-year-olds. And now they've added that 19 to 24, 25-year-old element. So those kids that when they graduate, they can come back home and have a place to play during the summer to you know train for the for their college teams yeah. or to train for to get ready for any professional opportunities they have. So now I think FC Alliance is a full-service club with that last leg to fit in. So – uh, if Knoxville hasn't been considered a soccer town, I think now they absolutely are. And I think FC Alliance has just injected uh, a men's team and a women's team into the community. That's going to be exciting and and uh, a lot of fun. And I'm curious about the kind of that pyramid and what you talk about when you say talk about the pipeline, basically, uh, when they're playing from you know younger athletes in the academy all the way up. Do you think that having FC Alliance as an ECNL club and the only it's the only one in east tennessee right the only one in east tennessee yes. yeah so do you believe that makes it or that is what makes it so much stronger uh of a pipeline because i know the goal right is to have kids play younger and then eventually make it up uh into your clubs do you think that the ecnl part of it is what makes it so much more likely uh, um on the girls side the ecnl is the strongest women's league in the country and uh um, quite frankly, there's not another level of competition that can touch the teams that FC Lights plays against uh, week in and week out. The teams that we play against in East Nail have the best coaches. Uh, the, the directors of the other clubs uh, attract the best players from all over their state, Ohio, Kentucky, uh, Western New York, Pennsylvania. Um, and then the show, the college showcases, uh, we match up against the best teams from across the country. Uh, playing in front of anywhere from 50 to 75 coaches at every game. It's mm -hmm. really an amazing thing. So when FC Alliance added that piece five to six, maybe seven years ago, uh, to me that set the stage for Knoxville to become an elite soccer city because they were going to start cranking out 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old elite players going mm -hmm. to college 
at a high rate. And then there was going to be a lot of kids wanting to train during the summer. And now that's where they've at. And they simply had to add another, had to add a women's team yeah. for all of these just fantastic players that are finding themselves, you know, wanting to train during the summertime. So, Coach Meyer, will you help me and some of the listeners understand the kind of the pyramid and, and the way that, you know, with with the team that we had last summer, uh, people learned a little about USL 2. Mm-hmm. So um, now we're getting back into the MPSL world. Right. So what is that what does that kind of look like in the landscape of I guess a pyramid for American pro soccer? The pyramid for US soccer. It would be the MPSL, then USL two, then USL one, and then MLS. Um, and that is kind of our job is to prep kids to if they're ready to get that level to the USL two or USL one. That is our job. But right now in Knoxville is we're giving, we're working in conjunction with all the colleges in town, um, whether it's ETSU or uh, Milligan or Merrillville or LMU or Carson Newman, creating those relationships, helping that their players to be prepped for their fall season. If we do our job, it will reciprocate for the following year. So they're prepped moving forward. So we are able to form two teams, which is excellent. The first and a second team. And the developmental side of it from let's like the 06 boys for FC Alliance is very good. They're going to nationals. So it gives them that pathway. It's something to look forward to moving forward for aspirations of like, hey, we get to do this next year because a lot, all those kids are in high school now. Now, granted, after their high school season, they still can be active and participate in the second team. So, for example, Georgia Revolution, Georgia Storm have second-tier under-20 teams. So those players after nationals, or hopefully they go and win it, but if they get knocked out, they can be active, which is very exciting for them. And the families within the Knoxville community now, hey, this is something that FC Alliance is giving back to the community. And for the first team, obviously, um, it's an exciting time for those players like Andy Sullins. He plays at UVA. He's a local, you know, he played through the FC Alliance system, then got picked up by Atlanta United, which is MLS. That's the top of the food chain. And, you know, he's one guy coming back. He'll be playing for us. Another high school at Spearden. His name's uh, Lucas Nordine. He's going to ETSU. He'll be a part of the mix. Um, uh, Pablo Herrera. He's at LMU, another FC Alliance kid. Now you mentioned going to all the local schools. I, in my opinion, after even watching the the soccer product we had last summer, I'm really looking forward to seeing all the local flavor that you guys have. because all these players that I, I see that you're posting about are they're, they're kids that played at Bearden, played at Maryville, Alcoa, uh, these schools in this area, and I think that is going to make it even even more interesting. I know a lot of the the, the kids on your team, Coach DeFries, are uh, local for sure. They are local. Uh, John Schneider and Josh Gray have been in the community for 20, 25 years. Yeah. Alan Schoenfield, Chad uh, Stockton. So they know every single female player that has either played for them at a high level, yeah. uh, you know, from ages 32 to, you know, kids at FC Lights now. So putting together a women's team was literally took about four days <laughs> for uh, John and Josh to start reaching out to some yeah. of their older players, Alan, some of his older players. And then I, uh, this is our third year in the league. So the, the players that were returning from our team last year, and uh, we were six one and one, the only team to beat Nashville. And they were they were a national semifinalist team, uh, and it's filled with Knoxville kids. 
uh, you know, FC Alliance kids. So um, uh, people like Brindley Murphy is going to go to South Carolina. Uh, we had five kids from the University of Tennessee play with us last year. Excellent. And obviously they brought a lot of experience and talent to the team. And we expect another group of, of uh, Tennessee kids to play with us this year. So when you're talking about Maryville, Tennessee, LMU, East Tennessee State University, UT Chattanooga, um, Lee College, Tennessee Tech, Tennessee Wesleyan, uh, we have an incredible depth of talent on this uh, on the on this team. It's going to be exciting. What is the likelihood that um, when we were talking about the pyramid earlier that uh, players? Because a lot of times, so the Sullins boy that, that's at um, UVA. I mean, that's a phenomenal soccer school. Are there often NPSL kids that get drafted into the MLS? I know even uh, as I was watching the MLS draft uh, in January, there were lots of kids that had been a part of USL2 clubs. So since it seems like MPSL and USL2 are, are pretty much parallel um, in so, a lot of ways. Yeah, I would say in regards to your the first comment in regards to MPSL players get promoted to MLS. Yeah. Yes. One example is Tyler Posher. I did this. I worked with Eric Rudland which we started in Lansing United, which is an MPSL group. And then we transitioned to AFC Ann Arbor. But to make, uh, to kind of go back to what I was talking about in regards to Tyler Posher, he was a kid out of Kitchener, Canada. He started with us. We were able to go to the final four against Red Bull our first year in Lansing. His progression went from, he went from Lansing to Indy 11, to sporting kansas city to it was the rangers because it was usl1 then he got promoted to houston um, dynamo mls first team um and then he went to red bulls and now he's back at birmingham uh legends and my point is is yes those players do do that yeah. And uh, I got to see his, I got to know him since he was 11 because I was recruiting all over, all over Canada. But the point is, yes, it does work. And there's been, a, I think, a good, healthy relationship, at least from my experiences when I was there in Michigan and, and networking through that. Mm-hmm. So both with the TFC as well, because we did a lot of stuff with the clubs that I worked with there. The TFC, which is obviously MLS, they're looking at those clubs within Michigan and that's a feeder system. Yeah. Indirectly. That, that was a, that was a fun, uh, I've been playing with chat GPT as much as I can. <laughs> and, uh, I, I asked this morning about MPSL feeding into the MLS and it just gave me a long list of players that had experience. So that's, that's certainly cool that you, you know, when you come to see a match, you're going to be watching some kids that have so much potential. Uh, now how about the, um, I'm sorry, not not the WPSL. What is the uh, NWSL? NWSL. How, do, does that serve as a feeder system? It does. There's uh, the w, the WPSL has over 75 players in the NWSL as a league that played WPSL first. Oh wow! In in uh, in we probably I think we have five or six that are currently on the women's national team that played in WPSL after college and it's just a great way for them to continue playing uh and, and just just develop a little bit more mm-hmm. and then uh participate in basically a free agent a free agent draft and and, and to be in and, and to show up you know to have an invitation to camp to three or four teams and then if they get signed they get signed so we have an we have 134 teams across the country and uh, uh it's very organized and so there is just a significant number of players 
mm-hmm. uh, that played started in WPSL after college, and then was able to jump into the uh, the big leagues. And then we you can probably double that number, if not triple it, for the number of kids that are playing overseas that that wow. played in the WPSL. Uh, the season's uh, uh, it's an off season, so a significant number of players will come back and play with WPSL to get ready for their professional season in uh, in uh, uh, Portugal or Spain or Iceland, Hungary, um, uh, England. Yeah. So it's a it's a it's an incredible stepping stone and an incredible league to give the players a chance to. Uh, you know, they have those professional aspirations. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt about it. I, we had a coach that um, coached soccer with us at D1. She played at UT, and now she's in Turkey. She was in Iceland for a while. Daniel Marcano. That's it. That's yes. it. Yeah. yeah. So she's uh, – um, we always love following her success. Yeah, Danny's a, a great example. She's from Atlanta. She actually uh, played with me for six years in mm-hmm. Nashville as well. Oh, wow, really? So, yeah, uh, she she was dual rostered. And uh, she worked at D1, and um, uh, she coached at FC Lance for a year. But now she is started in Iceland, and now she continues to move up. And I suspect if she wants to be, she's someone that would be an NWSL candidate, no no doubt about it. Excellent. Very strong player. Excellent. Um, now, what is the in-season training like? Because I know you know a lot of these kids, they've got their own kind of training systems back home, whether it be at their college or, or wherever they're playing. But then they're with you guys in the summer. So what is that? what does that look like? We are going to train three times a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, three to five. And we're going to be at two places. If we need turf, we'll be at Bob Leonard Park or our park, Alliance Park. So, um, yeah, that's our training schedule, kind of, you know, prepping for our matches, which will be typically on the weekend on a Saturday. Um, Monday and Friday will be off. Friday will be sometimes used as a film day just to break down or scout. Um, so yeah, that's our progression forwards match. Do the co- college coaches ever give any kind of input on, on anything that they want a, a particular player to work on or, or is that communication? Not really. Yeah, actually, uh, I spoke to, uh, all the coaches. I, that's number one thing I asked them. Uh, it doesn't matter what university or institution, uh, is how can I help your kids? Obviously workload is going to be keyed on overcook a kid. Um, so with our numbers, we're going to have a good rotation, uh, specifically with the first team. So we make sure the workload amount for each player, we don't overdo it. So obviously all the colleges want their players to play, but my number one job is to prep them for their fall season. So yeah, they do give feedback and we try to accommodate. Yeah, for us, we, we the the women are trained one day a week as a team, mm-hmm. and then as a, as a, as a as a skill session another night. It's voluntary, but one of the main things for the college coaches is uh, the safety of the players. You know, they appreciate if somebody's rolled an ankle, can we hold them out until they're completely, uh, uh, you know, ready to go? And then the second thing is in the WPSL, we have unlimited substitutions for the for the for the for the players. So even if we were to play a Friday Sunday game or a Saturday Sunday game. Mm-hmm. We can control the minutes to 15 to 20 minutes a half or, uh, uh, um, you know, 30 minutes total for the game. If we, if we, if we're going to play back to back in the USL league, they don't have that. Mm-hmm. They have, they have no reentry. Well, they have three times you can sub during a game, but you've got starters playing the whole game. So if they're playing on Friday, they're coming right back and playing on Sunday. Yeah. And 
you can't compete that way. And I, I think it's bad for the players. So um, nothing against USL, but that's a rule they need to change for the women, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, WPSL has addressed the safety of the players. And with unlimited substitution, it, you can you can control a player's health and uh, and training needs within that. So is the MPSL the same way with the substitutions? MPSL is once you're subbed out, you're done. It's key for rules. Got it. Got it. But they have such they have two teams, so they can right. mitigate their um, uh, minutes with having just an, you know such an enormous roster. Yeah. Um, so and I don't, I don't I don't think you guys probably have any back to back games necessarily. No. Uh, at this point, the the schedule has not been officially posted. We have a, a good sense of it, but yeah, none of them will be back to back. All of our matches will be on Saturday, and it'll be like once a week. So oh, that'll that'll be great. So you already know that all your games are going to be on Saturday. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, there might it might vary one Sunday match, but uh, once I have a definitive answer, I can give you more. Probably we'll know by the end of next week. Um, but they will be. Typically on Saturday, all the coaches wanted that in the MPSL or in the Southeast region. So we're, we're, that's what I recommended to yeah. keep it on Saturday. And three of our Saturdays are going to be double headers where the women will play uh, before the men's game. So it'll be, you know, food trucks and it'll be a festive atmosphere at Hardin Valley. Um, so, I th- you know, people can, they'll pay for their ticket and mm-hmm. so they put a stamp on their hand, on the back of their hand, and they're all they're there all day if they want. They can be their families out. Plenty of food, plenty of entertainment, mm-hmm. and um, you know the tailgating starting uh, uh, um, right here. right here. Uh, recording this at Orange Hat. Yeah. Started right here at Orange Hat, and then the women's game. And then, like I said, they can grab dinner after that if they want, and not have to leave the parking lot. Yeah, and then get ready to support the the the, the men. So it's going to be fun Saturdays. There's no doubt about it. To to touch off what Laban just said, in the progression from Orange Hat Brewery, which we thank them for being our sponsor. Um, but two, the progression from Orange Hat to the there's a lot right next to Hardin Valley where they have food trucks there. So from families that like to tailgate here, then get to their food at the food truck lot, and then go to our match, which is if we have a triple header, whether our reserve team goes first, then Laban's team goes second, and our group goes last. Uh, the progression for a, a all day event it, it bodes well for one the community. And it's an exciting time once again. So, yeah. So, probably the best way to follow with that schedule is just by following um, at uh, 865 Alliance on uh, Instagram and Twitter, you think? Yes. Yes. Excellent. So, one question I ask everybody on the show what is your favorite workout exercise? Coach Meyer, how about you? Whether whether it be going for a long run or if. Oh, personally? Personally. Okay. Uh, I like long distance. And when I was playing, there's system that we were put through that the Reds and the Cincinnati Bengals, or excuse me, yeah, the Bengals do. It's called Acceleration Training by uh, Rocky to Colby. And I went through that, and I still do it. So that type of training I will try to implement with our kids, not to the extent that I went through because I don't – well, D1 may have that. It's a, it's a type of elite training that uh, professionals do. And if we can simulate that and have our kids do it, both Laban's uh, ladies as well as our men, uh, it will be definitely beneficial. Uh, but that's some research I have to dig into. Yeah. Cool. How about, how about you, Coach? You know, me personally yeah, or, you. For, or for the players? No, you personally. Uh, uh, planking and jumping rope. Okay. You can do it at home. You can do it when you get up in the morning. You can do it before you go to bed. There's no excuse 
<laughs> There's no excuse not to jump rope 100, 200 times. Wow. And plank in the in plank before you go to bed in the evenings. You may have a hard time going to sleep. You get cheeky with like the crosses. And all, all. Try to do all of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy. It's just, you know, That's jump ropes aren't, aren't very expensive. Yeah. So uh, it's free. exercise is free. So right on. I think you can do that no matter what, no matter where you are, or what you're doing. All right, guys. Eight six five Alliance. Best of luck this season. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Have a good one. All right. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the D1 Training Podcast. Next week, I'm going to have on Brandley Murphy, who was named the National Player of the Year for high school soccer. Uh, she's going to be playing for 865 Alliance this summer. She is a trainer at D1 also. So it's a chance for you. Uh, if you're, you're, you know, your kids looking to get better, they can come train with the uh, National Player of the Year here at D1. Coming on with Brooks Wright, a highly recruited baseball player in the area. Uh, I work a lot with the D1 facilities in East Tennessee. So that's Knoxville, uh, we got Hardin Valley, now at Fort Sanders and Cool Sports in the Farragut area. Uh, also Sevierville, Chattanooga, Tri-Cities, and soon-to-be Maryville, Tennessee. Uh, if you don't already, please go ahead and follow us, uh, your, your local D1 facility on Instagram and Facebook. You know, it's always a great way to kind of get inspired by the hard work of some of those members that are working out at your club. Uh, also, you can always find uh, great deals and discounts. They'll post those sometimes on the uh, social media platforms. Again, my name is Casey. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. Do that now, please, and thank you. Thanks again to Mike McBath Music for the song. It's D1, the place for the athlete. Sport, it's C1 is where I'm going, baby. Eat one. I said.